0: Maybe in your life, you sense some emptiness. Maybe you sense some incompleteness. You know, before I came to Jesus Christ, that's something that I had a gnawing emptiness, a gnawing sense of being incomplete. But you know, the Bible says we are complete in Jesus Christ. He's the one that completes us. A person can't really do that for us. It is our God. And it only makes sense that we will be incomplete until we are connected with Him. And so we're going to talk about that today. Being complete in Christ on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. We are looking at a message this morning called Complete in Christ. We're going to be looking at Colossians 1, verses 28 through 2, 7. Before we do anything more, let's pray. Well, Father, we are grateful to be together on this special day. Each Sunday is really a special time to gather in your name, to celebrate you, to honor you, Lord, as the giver of every good and perfect gift. It comes from above, from the Father of lights, the Father of lights who made the world and everything in it, made dads and moms, he made families. And Lord, it is very special to know that when you communicate your love for us and how we're to see the body and our relationship with you, so many of those images are painted in familial terms, and and those are ones that we can understand. And we know that, you know, it's not always easy with family, but we know that family is a great blessing. Thank you for the body of Christ, for those who don't even have any family, but they have the family of God. They have a huge family all over the world, and we're grateful for that reality. As we look to, to Christ now and look to the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, make us understand our position in Christ, that we are complete in him, and bless our time in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So first service was an interesting uh, service. We, I walked up here and my microphone wasn't working, and then the fire alarm went off uh, during the sermon. And so usually when that happens, we have a pretty good indication that something important needs to occur on that day. And we do have an enemy, and he is on the prowl, and I think he loves the art of distraction. But I'll say this to you. At the end of the service, I preached the message called Being Complete in Christ. And at the end of the service, a young man walked up. He had waited patiently. I talked to about five or six different people before he walked up. He walked up and he said, can I talk to you? I said, sure you can. We sat chairs face to face up here in the front row. He said, I was in my truck this last week. He said, uh, I'm going through a very difficult time. I won't give you all the details, but very trying time for him as an individual. He said, I got in my truck. I flipped on the radio and I heard this voice and it was you and you were preaching on 740 a.m. And, and I, when, as I was hearing this, it, it reminded me I need to get back to God. And I was thinking, well, maybe your church is in L.A. or something. And I waited to the end, and I found out your church is in Corona, and I live in Riverside. He said, it was very difficult for me to walk through these doors today. And it was very difficult for me to come up and talk to you. Well, that young man who heard the radio broadcast showed up at church. The message was exactly what he needed to hear, and he opened his life to Christ this morning. Praise God. So... Just know that when we talk about radio ministry or we talk about the power of the gospel, I always like to think of individual stories when I think of preaching and I think of, you know, what the ministry is about. The ministry is about individuals. It's about individual stories. Now, as we've been looking at this church at Colossae, Paul uh, wanted to tell them that they had a special place in terms of their relationship with God. And Colossians 127 He said, God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we proclaim him, 128 of Colossians, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man or everyone complete in Christ. Now that's where the title comes, complete in Christ. And I think you and I would agree that most of us, if not all of us, and I think all of us, because this is the human dilemma, spend our lives trying to find completion. When our first parents fell in the Garden of Eden, they had a beautiful face-to-face relationship with God Almighty. In fact, God walked with them in the cool of the day. They were able to spend time with God face-to-face in unhindered fellowship. But something happened. Our first parents felt like they needed to do something else to find their completeness. And the devil came in and lied to them and said, oh, no, 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 no. God, god's trying to hold back from you. In the day that you eat of this fruit, you'll be as gods knowing good and evil. If they would have only known what that bite would have gotten the human race for generations upon generations upon generations. But they took the bait, they ate the forbidden fruit, and it plunged mankind into alienation between God and man. We looked at the concept of alienation in verse uh, 21 when it says, And although, Colossians 1:21, you were formerly alienated and hostile mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So we went from alienation to reconciliation. We went from incompleteness to completeness. And that is what we are in Jesus Christ. Man, in his fallen nature, though, is incomplete. Um, Our first parents, you know, made this mistake, and now the reconciling work of Christ has brought us back. But in many ways, we spend our lives on a quest for completeness—a quest for completeness—and we might look for it in education. We might look for it in our careers. Many of us try to find completeness in our conquests on the sports field, for example, or in our careers. Many people find, try to find completeness in relationships with parents and children and link everything to people's opinions of what they think about them. And people are devastated if they, if they know of a negative opinion against them. And we, we do all this stuff to try to find completeness. This young man who came up to me after first service told me that, 5 or 6 years ago he said he was going to church on occasion on major holidays and 5 or 6 years ago he just stopped. He just stopped going to church. He said he just stopped everything. He stopped reading the Bible and he said his life has fallen apart since then and he d- he didn't know what to do. And I told him the simple formula of what to do. It's to come to Christ. I said it doesn't mean that you can't pursue a good education or be good at your job, but all of that's going to be frosting on the cake. It doesn't mean that you can't find a special place in all the wonderful human relationships. We should. Human relationships add to our lives, but we don't find completion in them. Human relationships, we should add to other people's uh, lives. We should be adders and not subtractors, amen? But... The truth of the matter is if you're trying to find complete completion in your career or in your bank account or in your children or in your parents or in your conquest or whatever you want to name, you're not going to find it. Solomon, who is one of the wealthiest men who ever lived, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Scholars believe that he wrote it at the end of his life. And he wrote it as a warning to the young. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon uses is a Hebrew word that means emptiness or Uh, that which is meaningless or even confusing. And he tried to achieve it. You know, they say he was probably the wealthiest man who's ever lived or on par with one of the wealthiest people today. He tried it with uh, education. He tried it with book learning. He tried it with building projects. He tried it with women. He tried it with wine. He tried it with having male and female servants. He tried it with everything. And he kept saying over and over again, vanity of vanities. Vanities. This world, if you are disconnected from God, and that's the perspective from which Solomon writes, is vain. If you don't know God, your life will ultimately be vain or empty. It doesn't matter what you accomplish because you have an expiration date. It's on the bottom of your foot. Have you ever seen it before? Just check the bottom of your foot. There's an expiration date. You're gonna live so long. And what you're gonna really take with you is what you did on this planet for the, the kingdom of God. In him you find completeness. Without him, you're going to be a hollow person. A rich young ruler came up to Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 19, and he said, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he named some of the commandments, and, and the man said, oh, I've done all of these things since my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you wish to be complete, Matthew 19, 21, Go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved, for he owned much property. You know, what he thought was gonna make him complete actually was his undoing. What he thought was gonna make him uh, complete made him incomplete. You can see some of the most shallow people who have all the possessions on the planet, and they're about as hollow as a person as you can find. Depth does not come from worldly achievements. Depth depth comes from being complete in Christ. Now, when you have the foundation right, certainly everything else can be frosting on the cake. You should work hard. You should do well at your career. You should try to take care of your family and earn a good income. You should try to be educated. You should do everything you can. But I will tell you this. The ultimate endeavor, endeavor is to try to make others complete in Christ. And this is what Paul's mission was. He says, we proclaim him. Paul proclaimed the gospel, 128, admonishing every man. Three times you're going to see the phrase in verse 28, every person or everyone. Uh, He said, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone or every person complete in Christ. That was Paul's mission. That was Paul's purpose. Interestingly enough, a man who was once a Pharisee, a very committed Jewish religious person, of the tribe of Benjamin, if you interviewed Paul before he became Paul and was Saul, and you asked him, what do you think of Gentiles? What do you think, what do you think Saul would have said? Uh, most rabbis did not have a good perspective on Gentiles, which is really just non-Jewish people. In fact, the rabbis often taught that Gentiles were simply fuel for the fires of hell. They didn't want to eat with them. They didn't want to spend time with them. And Paul's life mission became all about presenting Gentiles and Jews complete in Jesus Christ. And that is the mission of the church, by the way. We use these methods, we proclaim. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. If you interviewed Paul before he became Paul and was Saul, and you asked him, what do you think of Gentiles? What What do you think Saul would have said? Uh... Most rabbis did not have a good perspective on Gentiles, which is really just non-Jewish people. In fact, the rabbis often taught that Gentiles were simply fuel for the fires of hell. They didn't want to eat with them. They didn't want to spend time with them. And Paul's life mission became all about presenting Gentiles and Jews complete in Jesus Christ. And that is the mission of the church, by the way, We use these methods, we proclaim, 28, we admonish, which has the idea of warning and exhortation, we teach, that's the word didascalia or didactic teaching, and we do it for every person, that every person may be complete in Christ. The goal of ministry is to present people complete in Christ. You can be complete this morning in Christ. Don't think that you're the exception. Sometimes people hear stuff like this and they say, I'm the one person this is not going to work for. Is that you? It'll work for everybody else, but I'm never going to be complete in Christ. No, it works for everybody. Everyone, every person, every woman, every man, young or old or in between, you can be complete in Christ. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches. Now, the word complete is a word that we need to dig out a little bit. In the original language in the Greek New Testament, it's teleos. If you're interested, it's T-E-L-E-I-O-S. The different versions of our Bibles translate it differently, but the basic definition, if you look it up in a Greek lexicon, means growth, mental and moral character, to be perfect, complete, or adult. And so when you read English translations of the New Testament, they go in two different directions. Teleon or teleos. The Greek word for perfect or complete is sometimes translated with the word perfect, and I'm quoting from Douglas Moo. He says, Neither of these translations of the word quite captures the sense of the word. Neither perfect nor mature captures it. Perfect is too strong, mature is too weak. Rarely does the word in the New Testament have the sense of our English idea of perfect with its connotations of absoluteness. Mature, on the other hand, is too relative inviting us to think that we are teleos as long as we are doing a bit better than some other Christians that we could name. Teleos connotes a quality of being so wholehearted in one's devotion to the Lord that one can be said to be blameless in conduct. Schweitzer puts it well. He says, to be teleos, or complete, is the complete and undivided way in which a person with all one's positive and negative attributes is oriented toward God, toward God, or toward Christ. Close quote. To be complete is to be moving in a direction where one's life is oriented directionally toward God. It does not mean that you're not going to have your hiccups and skin your knees, but it means that you are a man or woman who nobody has to guess where you're going. Nobody has to guess where the train is leading. You are oriented toward the God in whom you have placed your faith and the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33, we based the 6.33 service upon it, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? He'll add add all these other things to you. So we could talk about the other things possessions and worry and food and clothing and what are we going to do and what are we going to eat and what are we going to drive? But that is shallow, my friends. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a shallow or showy walk with Jesus Christ. You can have that. I don't want that. I want to have deep roots with Christ. And it's going to cause me to examine my own walk with Christ and ask some deeper questions like, am I going through the motions Or am I a truly devoted follower to Christ? In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word, tamim. It's the Hebrew equivalent of this Greek idea for teleos. And tamim is a, a word used of Noah. In Genesis 6, 9, it says that Noah was blameless in his generation. and He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Noah wasn't sinless. But in his generation, he was a righteous man. He was a man who you didn't have to guess what Noah was about. And in fact, when Noah was given a building project, which was quite a project, by the way, to build an ark, he had probably never seen rain. He was probably 100 miles inland. He honored God and he began to build an ark. He was a man of faith. Extra-biblical literature says that people ridiculed him every day. He was the opening, you know, monologue joke uh, that people, everybody, everybody said, oh, nutty Noah, you know, tapping away at the ark today. Hey, Noah, what do you think today? Go ahead, say something wacky. <laughs> <laughs> but Noah tapped and preached, and he nailed nails and preached. And he really condemned his generation. He was a man who believed God. Am I? Are you? To admonish someone, you know, the tools that Paul would use to make people complete are found in verse 28. He admonished. What does that mean? That means he warned. That means it has the idea of setting right A corrective influence on someone. It it is to lay on the heart of someone. It's a word often used of the raising of children. Sometimes we have to be admonished as Christians. Amen. Sometimes we come into church and it's like, "Ow, stop stepping on my toes!" Oh, these belong to you, Pastor Michael. No, they don't. They are yours. You may keep them. Arrows come at us. The sword of the spirit hurts. Sometimes, you know, people describe, they they say, I've been away from God and I go into a Sunday service and I feel like that preacher has a copy of my diary. I do. I steal them from your nightstands late in the night. No, I don't. In fact, when I first was going to church, I thought the pastor of that church had a copy of my diary. The problem was I didn't have a diary. And so the word admonishment has the idea of warning. And Paul was warning them against the false teachers in Acts 20, 30, 31. He said, I have not ceased to warn you day and night with tears. There's gonna be men who arise from your own number who will try to lead you away from the true Christ and the true message. Imagine Paul as he went around, around the Roman world uh, implementing these things, admonishing, teaching with the goal, verse 28, to present everyone complete in Christ. See the word present there? It comes from the the Greek word peristemi, which is a technical term for the presentation of an offering of an animal without spot or without blemish. And Paul's singular goal was to get everybody to a point of maturity so he, he could present them to the Lord as his offering. Go to Romans, just a few pages back, Romans 15. Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 15. Romans 15, 15. Paul had not seen the Roman church face to face nor had he met the Colossian church face to face but he wrote letters to them and to the church at Rome, Romans 15, 15, he says, I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister, Romans fifteen sixteen of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul saw his life moving inevitably toward a moment in what scholars would say is an eschatological sense or a last days or a Bema seat, final judgment idea, where when he stood before his maker, what he would present essentially to God is people that he had won to Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 2, just flip over there, it's a few pages to your right, 1 Thessalonians 2, as Paul addresses the Thessalonian churches, he says these words, he's talking about his relationship with the church, and he says, 1 Thessalonians 2, he talks about the spiritual battle that Satan got in the way, and he says 2.19, 1 Thessalonians, for who is our hope or joy or crown or exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming for you are our glory and our joy? Turn back to Colossians. Here's Paul's point. I believe there's going to come a day when I present something to the Lord and I personally do not believe it's literal crowns. I believe the crown that I will place at Jesus's feet one day is people people that I've had an influence on, people that I've won to Christ, people that I've prayed for. Maybe I supported a missionary and he won somebody to Christ. I believe they're gonna be our crown of rejoicing on that day. I believe when Christ says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, it's going to be completely related to your faithfulness and gospel ministry. And I'm not sure the modern church really has a very good handle on that. See, our walks, you guys, are not just about us. One day, you're going to make a presentation to your Lord as well. You're going to lay down a crown before him. Hopefully, it's not going to be one of those mini Burger King crowns with fits on a doll's head. This is all I have, Lord. No, I want a crown that's large because I believe that everything I do on this planet to try to win people to Christ I'm going to offer it back to him that's what Paul believed so Paul says Colossians 129 for this purpose also I labor I ask you do you have a purpose what's your purpose for living well Paul's purpose was to win converts to Christ and he says I labor for this purpose also I labor see the word labor there it's it's working to the point of exhaustion it's it's gospel laboring here And I strive or striving according, but here's how I do it. I do it according to what? His power. See the word power there? It's where we get our word energy. It speaks of superhuman power. His power, which mightily works within me. If the ministry was all about my fleshly efforts, we ought to just pack up and go home. But if the ministry is about the power of Almighty God moving through an ordinary individual's life like you and me, you at work, you in the grocery line, you wherever you may be, at a park on a Saturday, just keeping your heart open to the fact that everyone is incomplete without Christ, God will give you a mission field. Can you see their faces? There's so many people incomplete. And, you know, people even believe that marriage spouse will complete them. That's sentimental and romantic. But, you know, the only one that can really complete us is Jesus Christ. And there's all kinds of incomplete people out there. And it's our mission to win them, to tell them how they can be complete and content in Christ. Well, he'll give us the power to get that message across. Well, I've created a way to help you understand how you can be equipped to do the Lord's work. And it's a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. I'd really like to get a copy into your hands and thank you for any donation that you can give to the ministry of Walk in Truth. You can give online or give by mail. Get all the information at walkintruth.com. Come back and visit on this station tomorrow as we continue the teaching, Complete in Christ. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. And we'll talk to you then. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.